0: Okay, so now time for another day in the book of Ephesians in a month of lunches. Our study on the book of Ephesians in a short 15 minute or so period. So grab a cup of coffee or grab your lunch and let's get digging into the word as we uh, keep moving forward through uh, chapter two. So we're picking up in verse eight, moving right into it. So it says, most of you guys are really familiar with this verse. For God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have we have done, so none of us can boast about it. The NIV might be the little more common way you might have heard this. It says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So this is a summary of the first verses. Um, God gives us his mercy, a gift, we, um, a gift we do not deserve and cannot earn, right? Uh, this is manifested in his compassion and love for us and draws us to seek a relationship with him. After we seek this relationship, we, in other words, we hear the gospel and we respond. You remember our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We can't get saved. He says, how can I hear? unless they have someone preaching to them. In other words, how can they hear unless they hear the word of God to bring them to life spiritually? Uh, But then it says, through faith, we access, connect directly with God's grace, which is how we are saved. God's grace contains the power to make us born again, to take us out of the graveyard, to give us life and and put us next to to Christ in heavenly places, right? So in, um, in the same way we can't brag about saving ourselves, the opportunity to access all these other riches and spiritual wealth is now available by the same grace to us. Uh, verse 10. Now, now this is this is the thing. I want you to understand this. Most Christians, I say I don't say most, but many Christians. Uh, I'm hoping it's not a majority, but it feels that way to me. Think that salvation is the goal and the end part. Salvation is the absolute minimum beginning point in our walk with God, in our purpose in this life. So verse 10 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship or his masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Another version says we are his workmanship created for good things in Christ. Um, Again, we are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works and we don't earn our salvation by good works. We don't build on salvation through good works. Our good works are accessed the same way our salvation is. It's a work of grace in our hearts and in our lives. After we're saved, God continues his masterpiece. That word masterpiece is the uh, word poemia, which is where we get the word poem. And it's basically God's handiwork. He's designing it, right? But he's creating our life. But think about this. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ so we could do things that he planned for us long ago. When did he plan them for us? Before he created the world, he planned for us not just to get saved. Chapter 1 was talking about he planned for us to be saved and part of his family. Now it's expanding on that. Not only did he save us to be part of his family, he saved us to go out and do things he planned for us before we were ever born. Before the world was ever born, he planned for us to have these things to do. So if you ever worry about having purpose and you're not a Christian, I can tell you the first answer, come to Christ. And then after that, you will have purpose. And if you're a Christian and you don't know that purpose, spend some time with God. It will not take long at all to know your purpose. Matter of fact, most Christians, shortly after they're saved, kind of know a lot of what their purpose is. They just use mental reasonings and pressures from around them to dismiss it or they just don't recognize it as God and they just shove it aside. There's something that God puts in us that goes beyond mental faculties, that gives us purpose, that gives us that, that inspiration, that, that divine spark that gives us energy to do things when we shouldn't care or be energized by them. And those are things that God assigns to us. There are people that we can love that nobody else can love. That's a divine assignment. There are things we can do that nobody else can do, or we can do that we can do with passion and energy and anointing uh, that other people can't. And that's because it's part of God's workmanship in our life, part of what he's doing. It's like Michelangelo is sitting there feverishly knocking away at this flawed piece of uh, stone and he said, "What are you doing?" He said, I, I, "I'm I'm letting and I'm parap- paraphrase this isn't that close, but I'm releasing this angel from this this ugly rock." <laughs> and uh, believe the uh, one he was uh, mentioning was his statue of David, which is still viewed and and uh, seen as a masterpiece to this day. Um, but we're now in a position to do the good things that got, that we were created to do after we're saved. Uh, he planned for us to be part of his family before he created the world. He also planned for us to, what we did after salvation before he created the world. Um, how do we do these things? How do we do these works? Well, it's the same exact process of salvation. First came the hope, right? We get instructions from God through his word. Faith comes by hearing. The same thing happens. We hear a verse, it seems to light up. And God's saying, this applies to you. I want you to to act, take action on this. And so, um, there's a desire for change in us in our area or there's a desire to take action. And then as we get access to the word and we act on that, now we have faith involved. What does faith give us access to? The grace of God, the same grace that raised Jesus from the dead. This is the same grace that brought life to our bodies from the graveyard, is the same grace that now brings life to our daily walk so that we can start fulfilling our purpose because he's creating his masterpiece in our life. Um, so we get changed from glory to glory, and let me tell you, when we're doing what we're created to do, the result will be others giving glory to God. That's how we know we're getting it right, and it's not a, um, it's not something that He's doing to please us. Yes, we'll have pleasure and fulfillment, but really, um, we were saved for His pleasure and His purpose. And so, grace it says is how we stand. Our purpose has already been designed. So this should actually bring relief and faithful, and thankfulness because God will give us the desire and the ability to do what he created us to do if we're united in Christ. That's exciting stuff, guys. Um, this will set you free from works. This will set you free from frustration or feeling unfulfilled. You can now look to God and say, okay, I've had this wrong, but now I'm going to just do, I'm going to do this your way. I give my life to you. You're the artist. I'm putting, I'm not going to keep trying to take the brush out of your hand and and, and paint a different thing. I'm the canvas, I'm not the painter. You're the painter. And so, um, God will will help us. Uh, but we, and we don't even need to wait for, till perfection to be used. Uh, if that were the case, nobody would be used because we're not gonna be perfect on this side of heaven, are we? Um, God will use us as He cha- as He changes us. It's just like um, if you need to lever something up, do you need that stick to be perfect? or do you just need something to wedge under there and pry up to to get that lever going? Well, God will use a crooked stick while he's straightening us. He has no problem with that. Um, we are saved from sin for His service. Uh, and w- the works are from God. Philippians 2.13 is one of my life verses. It says, For it is God who works in us to will and do of his good pleasure. What does that mean? That means that God is working in us what he wants to come out of us. So that w- our actions, so that we have a heart desire for, and, the, and the actions line up with his purpose for life. That we will and do. Will is our heart attitude, and actions, will and do, those all line up with what he's been working in us as it's been worked out of us. That's why it says to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling right before that, is man, we only get one canvas that's called your life. Don't waste it trying to paint your own story and your own painting, give it to God. Let him work it in us what he wants to work out of us instead of the other way around. All right, so verse 11 through 22 really focuses on our unity in Christ. Um, now, it focuses on a lot on the Jewish and Gentile relationship, which is a lot more volatile at this point in time because Jews were the chosen people of God and they were, the, they were keepers of the law. And the Gentiles were outside that law, and now God is. And before then, the Gentiles wanted to be part of the Jewish nation. They had to. They had to be proselytized and become part of them. As outsiders looking in, they were brought in a little closer, but they still weren't Jews. Um, they didn't have all the benefits and privileges. They just got in, brought in, and had some of them. Well, this this new thing that happened is Jesus came. And he now says, I'm not going to make the Gentiles into Jews, but both the Jews and the Gentiles have to go through the cross and become a whole new nation, something separate that has never existed before. And I'm going to bring them in. And the way you know that they're with me is because there's going to be unity where there shouldn't be unity. And that's the power of the cross. So it says in verse 11, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. Who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts again a cautionary tale beware of spiritual pride a lot of times we forget that it's god's grace that saved us and it's god's grace that changes us and we have a little more tread on our tires down the road spiritually we look back at the ones who are newer in the faith and we start getting judgmental as if it was our own good works that made us any better than them We're all a product of God's grace, and we need to look through those eyes and see and and tap into the compassion that that got us saved and have compassion for those who are not as far along as we are instead of judging them. Um, So the only difference uh, between those two groups now is Jesus, and that's a whole new development. And so it says in verse 12, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. He's still talking to the Gentiles here. And you did not know the covenant promises of uh, God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And um, verse 13 says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. That is the first uniting and is the most important one. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Now, why is that important? Because guess what happened with the Jews as well? They could no longer trust in the law and they're, they're, and they're going through the sacrifice sacrificial system offering animals and things like that. They actually um, were basing that on works of themselves, now they all had to come through the blood of Jesus himself to be united to Christ. Um, So without the shedding blood, there's no access to God. His blood shed unites us to him, but also his shed blood unites us and draws us near to each other. Um, And we become a new race called the church, part of a new kingdom called the kingdom of God. And we have unity. And unity is not uniformity. It's not everyone the same. Uh, we all follow the word of God. We all follow the, the Bible as our roadmap to life. But um, we have uniqueness, not uniformity. But we have working toward a common goal. That's unity. Unity. Uniqueness working toward a common goal. Our eyes are on Jesus and we're in lockstep with him. And as we're doing that, we're all looking from all different places. And he brings us together for his purpose as we're moving with him. It brings us in unity with others. Uh, Verse 14, for Christ himself has brought us peace, has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Paul is actually addressing race and racism here, too, in this portion of Scripture. When we're united to, with Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we're united with his peace in our lives. And the peace that's in other people's lives from him unites us with them, too. The Bible answer brings answers to racism and division that the world doesn't have. Um, I could never buy into social justice um, it's basically look like repackaged socialism, calling it something else to make it sound more moral, um, or redefining racism. Uh, you know, when I was studying, uh, at grace college, uh, and I was taking some, some courses in counseling, a lot of them were excellent, especially at the master's level. They were really good. Then a lot of them were like, uh, not so good pieces of them or something like that. And what I did is I ran everything through the Bible. And if it held through the Bible, I would apply it and use it. When it didn't, I would discard it. It was of no use to me. And a lot of this equity, diversity, inclusion stuff, that the world is trying to run toward when it's filtered by the world word, a lot of it's not worth anything. And as a matter of fact, it's spiritually damaging. Um, When the world tries to unify, it uses division, ironically enough. It's like, are you male, female? Are you white? Are you black? Are you LGBTQ, exclamation, all these others? Are you fat? Are you skinny? Are you able-bodied? Are you handicapped? They're using all these different things that can be ways to separate you to elevate your victimhood status, and that's what brings you value instead of us becoming part of the body of Christ. I mean, Jesus does away with all that and brings us all united together. <laughs> and it really brings all that division goes away and true unity comes where you have people who are united in, in through the blood of Jesus. It, it's an amazing thing. It makes no sense unless you understand the spiritual things. So it says in verse 15, he did this by ending the system of the law with his commandments and regulation. He made peace between the Jews and Gentiles. By creating himself one new people from two groups. And that people is the church. The law it was that mirror that would show us the dirt. But not give us any power to remove it. We now have the power to remove that. And be changed. And be cleansed. Um, and you can be from anywhere in the world. And be united with other Christians. And there's true unity. Uh, it's just like if you're overseas. And you find another American. you find crum- um, Automatically you're drawn to them. And speak in English to each other. Christians have that common unity because we're all from the same nation. All right, we're going to end there, and we'll pick up from here next week. You guys have a great week. Have a great weekend. Be blessed as we continue with Ephesians of the month of lunches next week.